What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain before we get started i want to talk about on its new grass-fed whey protein now, having a grass-fed whey protein at your house is really one of the essential things for a proper weight management program, if you're looking for gains, or if you're just looking to support yourself with adequate nutrition. It has a complete amino acid profile, meaning no matter how many muscles you break down, you're going to be recovering and supporting yourself with that full amino acid profile. Plus, being grass-fed, it comes from happy cows. These cows are in New Zealand, they do the haka, they're having a great time, and you know that you're not supporting the cow industrial complex. The flavors are awesome. We have a vanilla flavor that's one of my favorite flavors to blend in any kind of smoothie, even really simple smoothies with just berries, almond butter, and the grass-fed whey, water, ice, and it's delicious. And then we have a chocolate flavor that I blend in all kinds of things, smoothies as well, but also teas and coffees to just add that additional protein support. These come in big-ass tubs. The pricing is right. The flavor is right. The sourcing is right. And it's just a product that everybody should have in their pantry. So definitely check ours out on it.com slash Aubrey and lock in your 10%. Mark Bell is a former professional powerlifter, podcaster, gym owner, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, and all-around dope human being. This is a really wide-ranging conversation. I know you guys are going to dig it. Mark Bell, my man, how are you? I'm doing awesome. I'm doing really good. Why does your family like to be so strong? Oh, man. You know, we've been obsessed with strength uh, since I can remember, since I was a kid. Uh, I got into powerlifting at probably around 11 or 12 years old, which is... Isn't that a little young to be powerlifting? It's, it's highly unlikely, yeah. It's uh, not very common. Yeah. Um, two older brothers that were into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uncle was uh, big into wrestling, pro wrestling, and so we started watching that at a young age. We were just always obsessed with muscle. And even at a very young age, for some reason, we all gravitated towards that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always felt that in some way, in some shape or form, fitness, strength, muscle is going to be the answer. And so I stuck with it for a long time. And the thing about, here we are. The thing about exterior gains like yeah. that is it's very reliable. It's like a clear trajectory and you can see it. Right. You know what I mean? Like the interior work... It's confusing and it goes backwards and forwards and you don't really know where you are. There's no external validation other than the thoughts going on in your own mind. Right. But when you're adding on size, you can get on a scale, you can look in the mirror and you can see it. And I think that's very gratifying for a human oh, being to see, okay, I'm doing this, I'm applying this effort and it's yielding these results. Right. Right. So I, I see and then I have it myself. It's a very simple way. Like for me, going to the gym is the most relaxing thing I do. 
because I know that I can reliably follow a protocol that will yield reliable results. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, that, that's been the case for me. You know, school was always confusing for me. Uh, I always sucked uh, when it came to that kind of thing. But lifting was always very black and white. You either kind of put in the work or, right. or, or, or you didn't. You either got stronger or you didn't. And aesthetics aside, because aesthetics can be confusing too, and aesthetics can take a lot of time. Aesthetics take um, uh, almost more dedication in some ways because you have to have some victories with the diet every single day, which is a, a tough, a tough sure. spot for a lot of people. Uh, but when it comes to strength, uh, it was always just very black and white. Is your program working? Is it not? Every time you retested your bench, squat, or deadlift, uh, if it went down, <laughs> your program's not working, mm-hmm. you're not consistent, there was uh, something lacking. But even more so than that, I've always loved I've always loved pushing myself. I've always loved pushing my body. I've always loved um, getting into this uh, like warp zone. When you do like a high rep set of squats and you do like a set of 20, and you're at... Um, you're at rep number seven, and it hurts. That's the kind of shit that I love. That's I, that's my kind of party. I'm like, okay, this this is where <laughs> this is where I need to be. Now, I can't think of another scenario in life where you can where you can get to those same things unless it's some athletic endeavor, unless it's something physical. I'd imagine you do bear hunts and stuff. You probably get to a similar situation uh, when you're hunting. You probably get in some precarious positions and. Shit gets real here and there. But yeah, no, I mean, I'm not a big hunter, but I can yeah. imagine where it would, especially if you're like spot and stock right. and you're like really in the, in the flow there. Ad- adrenaline, I guess, is, sure. part of, is part of what I'm talking about. But I love uh, the feeling of, I don't know what this is going to result in, and I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to uh, recover or breathe from this, but I don't care. This is what I'm doing. Yeah, putting yourself up against a stern force of resistance and seeing right. what's going to happen on the other side. I, I think for me... I've always experienced that in the gym, but I've also found that in some of my spiritual path, which is the plant medicine path, because there's a point where you're drinking, you know, you finish your cup of ayahuasca and you're waiting and you don't know if all hell's going to break loose (laughs) or if you don't know if it's going to be the most pleasurable, pleasant experience of your life where you're seeing the most beautiful patterns and colors and interactions with clever and gorgeous spirit guides and animals. And it's going to be that or whether you're going to face the heart of darkness itself. But there's that moment where you're just waiting and it's before the shaman's Icaros kick in and it's dark and maybe you're <laughs> puffing a mapacho and it's like, here we go. You know, like you gotta be ready for that. And so I think there's different ways that people can access that, but some the parallels. gym, there's some parallels, but the gym is that simple thing where you have iron that is not going to move itself. Right. <laughs> and you have to apply your effort, your force, your will in order to make that happen. Yeah. And you know, you're talking about the spiritual side of things and, uh, Something that I really enjoyed was years ago, I went to a Joe Rogan uh, stand-up comedy routine, mm-hmm. and I was completely floored. I, I've never touched, I mean, other than steroids, which everybody that's out there for everybody to know because they've seen <laughs> bigger, stronger, faster. I, I never really uh, messed with anything. I never smoked a cigarette. I never tried weed. I never tried a, uh, anything like that. And so Joe Rogan, his comedy routine, he was talking about these psychedelic drugs and what they do, and I just... I would found that to be really fascinating. It's not anything I ever uh, messed with. I, I guess the, the furthest uh, down that rabbit hole I may have been is uh, occasionally I take some Kratom. You're probably familiar with that, that kind of product. I am, and I want to talk to you about that more because that's a really interesting plant yeah. that I think people need to know a bit more about. But I haven't sure. really messed around with too many of those uh, like psychedelic-type drugs. <clears throat> 
Um, I just find it fascinating, though. Even though I'm not from that world, I, I still find uh, the fact that a lot of our greatest music, a lot of our greatest invention inventions have been built off the back of LSD and other no doubt other drugs you know and it's it's um is that performance enhancing like does that does that kind of you know go back to some of the uh concepts of bigger stronger faster where hey is this cheating obviously it's it's not the same because it's you're not in like direct competition in the same way but life is a competition you know so it's you're it's certainly a cheat code for me yeah cheat code to happiness it's a cheat code to peace of mind it's a cheat code to de-stress and reprioritization and love and all of these things and sometimes it'll yield business success i remember one of my first ayahuasca journeys really showed how i could create a company that abided by more conscious principles but still yielded you know great profits and great results and you know that's been a bit of a guiding light is like how to push forward this company in the right way um are there some dangers to to it? Uh, of course, some? I mean yeah. it's it's ultimately a trial by fire. It is loading the squat rack up with a little bit more weight than you think you've right, ever handled right. before, Makes and sense. saying, you know, I'm going to rep this out. Now, will I strain a hammy? <laughs> you know, will I blow out a knee? Will I be on Friday fails on Men's Health because I did something even more ridiculous as right. I was trying to film something for the gram and <laughs> fucking the weights fall off my back? Or right. you don't know what's going to happen, but ultimately. You know, if you do it in the right set and setting, basically with the right coach, the shaman in that would be like the, the program setter or the right coach. Right. They'll, they'll load you with the right amount of weight for what you can handle. And then generally you can come out with a reliable um, win right. if you recover. And that's the other thing. If you continue, same, same working out analogy. Like if you went and did leg day five days in a row and didn't sleep in between, then you're going to be fucked up. You're yeah. not going to have gains. You're going to have an injury. Oh, yeah. No, or, you're gonna be or at least can be completely catabolic. Right. One, and that's what I think a lot of people do on this plant medicine path is they'll overtrain. They'll mm-hmm. overtrain their psyche without recovering. Overdo they'll it. do session after session after session after session, and then they'll come in, and I'll see them, and they'll be like a fucking lightning rod, like all of this scattered energy. Nothing has gotten grounded. Right. Nothing has gotten integrated, and they're somewhere between this world and the next world. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, man, you need to like – go camping and chill and stare into a fire and like right. sleep and you know float and like everyone can use a reset hug some dogs like i don't know man but stop <laughs> doing medicine for sure yeah. and then there's people who need to stop lifting you know like yeah. stop training and just let the body re- re- relax and recover yeah people definitely overdo it in, in all aspects and i think if you can if you can pause a little bit and uh avoid listening to all the noise that's going on around you and, and focus and hone in uh, on the things that are important, uh, then I think you're getting somewhere. But I think, in general, people need to be able to hit a reset button. Um, I recently read a book uh, uh, called Keto Reset. You know, mm-hmm. but, and um, in that book, you know, basically, it's I think anyone can do. That's not Mark's. New it's book. Mark's. It's Mark's yeah. new book. Yeah, yeah. You know, anyone can anyone can follow some of these these core principles. Ditch carbohydrates for a while, and when you bring them back, they'll be more effective. If you if you even want to bring them back, you might decide that you don't need them. Maybe you don't need nearly as many as you thought you did. Mm-hmm. But the average person is going around. The problem with just the not. Big, I'll tell you, I I love the low carb lifestyle, yeah. and it makes a huge difference for my energy. If you're chasing that blood sugar dragon, you know, and you're going up, and then you're going hypo, yeah. hypoglycemic, and then you're getting more, it's a mess. It's a mess for yeah. my productivity in the day. I end up reaching for more caffeine, having to do a bunch of other stuff. But the problem is, like, you look at eating avocado. And then you look at toast and you're like, 
damn <laughs> it's so much better when it's on toast yeah you know or i'll look at my pantry and like i see that guacamole i could eat it with a spoon but the chips would make it way better and that's what ends up fucking with me always at the end so i've never i haven't been able to go to that and not that i necessarily need to i'm a pretty right. lean guy and you know it's right. not like a, it's a necessity but i end up inevitably falling in that lower carb rather than full right, keto right. just because um it's hard no, to get all that, of it out i think that matters though because uh people just always throw around the word keto and i think to get results and to be uh to have the body that you want you don't necessarily need to be in nutritional ketosis yep uh for the mental clarity maybe somebody can make an argument and say yeah you need to be producing a large amount of ketones to get, to get the response you're looking for uh, but other than that, if you're losing weight or you're staying lean or you're keeping or maintaining the weight that you want, I think I think you're good to go. You know, it was interesting. I had a I got a little respiratory cold recently, mm. like two weeks ago, and generally that seriously diminishes my productivity. And I but I decided like, all right, I'm gonna couple this with strict ketogenic diet. Mm. You know, like just basically bone broth, green juice. Right. You know, some avocado, some like high fat, some blended mushroom drinks with some MCT and keep it really light. And what was remarkable is I was almost, even with the cold, more mentally productive. Yeah. You know, just by following that strict regimen, I recovered faster and I was able to stay productive through it. So the mental advantage for me is, is really clear. So I, I end up having most of my carbs probably towards the end of the night. Right. Because that way I can get through a full productive day. And then at night when I'm kind of relaxing and unwinding and I can bear the burden of a, a little, you know, blood sugar swing right. while I'm watching Stranger Things or something and trying to let my mind rest. That tends to work for me. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think, you know, a lot of people can kind of hit that reset button as I'm talking about. And mm -hmm. I've noticed with a lot of people I've helped lose weight, uh, they can start to ingest 100, 150, 200 grams of carbs and still lose weight while following a keto-style diet. I'm not saying that they're in nutritional ketosis while consuming uh, that amount of calories, but they're still on a very uh, moderate to low-carb meal plan. Just maybe on some of their training days, they're throwing in a little bit of extra carbs. Mm -hmm. And so something to think about is if you alter uh, your body composition, then you're going to have an opportunity to eat more carbohydrates. Totally. Your body's going to want those carbohydrates too, especially if you're training a lot. The other thing I think people make the mistake of is uh, forgetting the fact how important carbohydrates are. We don't necessarily need them. That's uh, not really the greatest word for them. But they are a great tool, and they are a great weapon. And there, there still is no better energy source or no faster energy source than a carbohydrate. Um, it's not even debatable. It, it wins every time when you, when you look at uh, professional athletes and talk about high performance. If we're talking about getting lean, then that's a – that ends up being a different conversation. But even for getting lean, uh, there's no bodybuilder that steps on stage without carbohydrates in their system. Yep. And so a lot of these things are already known. Bodybuilders have used ketogenic-style diets for years. I started a ketogenic-style diet uh, in the mid-'90s uh, just to lose weight because I was fat when I was in school and I was trying to uh, make a weight class for powerlifting. You know? So I, I've been messing around with it for a long time since the uh, days of Dan Duchesne. Mm -hmm. who wrote uh, the Body Opus book years ago, and, and my brother and I have been uh, kind of tinkering it, tinkering with it ever since. Yeah, I mean, when I set about <clears throat> working with all the experts and putting together the nutrition plan for my upcoming book launch, really, you know, 
speaking with Mark Sisson at length and understanding that idea of being a two-fuel burner, you know, same with Ben Greenfield, yeah. all these. I think really that's the target that we should be able to go, you know, really adapt our body to a higher fat lifestyle, go for stretches where we're compressing our feeding window, go for stretches where right. we are dipping into nutritional ketosis, just to train the body to be able to do that. And then on the days we train, you know, indulging in a, in a, you know, chunk of sourdough bread with some grass-fed butter, you know, or why having some so rice good? pasta. How is that? Like, oh, you know what I mean? so like, good. It doesn't make any sense why it's so good. It's just <laughs> bread and butter. It does. You know, it's funny. When you've been keto for a while and you taste bread, it tastes different. You're like, this is a funny thing, this bread. <laughs> it's a funny substance. But, um, yeah, I think that makes the most sense for most people. And I think keto is now, there's obviously the scientists and the doctors who will keep referring to that very strict mm -hmm. ketogenic definition. And I think when Onnit uses keto and when I use keto and when a lot of people use basically it, they're really time. basically saying very low carb. Right. You know, some kind of modified Atkins, high fat, high, higher protein, higher fiber, higher right. vegetable, lower carbohydrate, lower sugar. And if people can just mostly do that and put high quality nutrients in their body, they're just going to feel so much fucking better. Yeah. I got to say, you know, it's a perfect fit having Kyle Kingsbury uh, working here. I've known Kyle right? for, for a few years now. And uh, when uh, a friend of mine told me that he, he was uh, working for you guys, I was thinking, oh, shit, that's a, that's a perfect scenario. But I was also picturing Kyle out front on the, on the uh, main road out there in a, uh, in a supplement bottle with white gloves, waving a sign that said "On an Academy," dancing back and forth in his short shorts. It's speedos. Yeah, yeah. let's get, yeah, let's yeah, get yeah. it right. Why? He why? goes, he goes straight speedo. He doesn't yeah, even bother with. He doesn't even bother with the short shorts. Too much fabric. That should be a skit. Here. All you guys should be in speedos. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> awesome. So I want to go back to Kratom because you know you've been pretty open also about your family's addiction issues with painkillers, yeah. and Kratom is one of those compounds that has a right. lot of promise now. Kratom is also the substrate by which they make the main non-opioid uh, painkiller, which is tramadol, mm. right? Don't they synthesize it from some of the compounds in Kratom? That, yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> so, but it's different because you're using the whole plant, kind of ground up, mind da, or right. whatever um, you know, name that locally it's called. Uh, and it has a really interesting effect because it's somewhat of a painkiller, but it's right. somewhat of a stimulant and it's somewhat of a depressant it's a very complex plant it's a hard thing to describe even the feeling of it yeah it is yeah it for is. myself i i really like it a lot you know the years of powerlifting uh does help take the edge off a little bit uh one thing i also noticed with it is I, I like to have some wine here and there and uh when i drink i'll just drink a lot less i'll have mm -hmm. like one glass maybe two glasses rather than having three or four uh, the big problem with me having three or four glasses of wine is then I want to just eat like whatever I can get my hands on. Mm -hmm. So then it screws up my diet, kind of messes up my next day and so on. But it Kratom has a way of um, relaxing you. But I also think that um, a, a really cool benefit of it is going back to that creativity that we were talking about earlier. I really feel it helps me to be more creative. Yeah. Um, I haven't really noticed any negative sides. I have taken it before where i've gotten a little nauseous uh i have noticed uh occasionally when i'm in the middle of saying something that i'm kind of just uh losing my losing my words and stuff like that you know mm -hmm. I've, I've noticed uh, some like maybe short-term uh, memory loss but huh. uh, haven't really noticed any like real ill effects that sure. i would consider to be like a red yeah, flag no, i'm not i don't feel addicted to it or anything like that yeah either. it's it's interesting I, i've uh, there's it seems to be dose dependent whether it's really stimulating or really relaxing 
Like in the higher doses, it'll really relax you, like super relaxing. In lower doses, it feels pretty energizing, you know. And so it's uh, it's been interesting playing with that, you know, playing with that plan and just understanding how complex it really is. And the idea that you know, I know that the FDA was looking to ban its import, you know, for a little while, and I think people rallied behind that and kind of put a stay of execution on that um, because it's just a great resource and it's a great plant ally when used appropriately that can help people who have you know challenges with you know this kind of constant pain noise and this constant the highly addictive nature of these opioids which once they grab a hold of you i mean they got claws they got like those those fish hooks that are going to be real hard to get out yeah my my brother mike he passed away years ago uh he had addictions on and off for years with uh any and everything you can think of he he was an addict through and through um he's done it just about every drug you, you can think of um for my brother chris he went through a similar situation as well where he started getting addicted to painkillers uh he started getting addicted to uh, or he started to become an alcoholic as well and he was you know falling down that slippery slope as well and uh luckily for me i have a very supportive family very supportive wife and you know, we did rally around my brother Mike, but it, it was just uh, probably too little, too late. This time around, we were like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck that. That ain't happening again. We can't afford to go through the same thing again. So we rallied around him the best we could. We knew more. You know, we, mm-hmm. we kind of knew that, you know, um, people that are listening to this that, that are related to people or that are friends with people that uh, might be addicts or might be bipolar. Uh, just know that they are gonna they are gonna lie to you they are gonna be full of shit and you do have to take matters into your own hands and that's what we did with my brother chris we got him to a a treatment center and everything ended up you know thank god everything ended up working out Mm -hmm. uh, really well for him um but addiction is it's a crazy thing and i think a lot of times we have um we're so judgmental we're so quick to judge everything and anything that we see and i think that we think we feel that we're above it and yeah. we feel that, Oh, it ain't going to happen to me or man, you can, it's a slippery slope. You can fall into any of it at any moment, whether it be, um, e- even with people that are, that are heavy, even with people that are overweight, I think people, uh, will be like, Oh man, they're lazy. They're this, they're that. You could very well find yourself in a similar situation. What if you got in a car wreck, couldn't exercise anymore? Sure. And, and what if, you know, you know, when you were a kid, you had, you know, a sweet tooth and stuff, you can easily slip back into some of those things. And um, it, 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 it's just something that, that everyone should be aware of. And I think people should be um, uh, conscious of, of that it could be a real issue with a lot of people around you. And, and it could be something that you end up having trouble with. And you might not even realize it. Yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's a very complex issue, you know, that I don't think people who haven't been through it right. can really understand how... But all of us have our own addictions, have our own things where we've rationalized, <laughs> you know, rationalized doing yeah. it, whether it's, you know, on, in our diet. Yeah. You know, maybe it's something with sugar. We're like, no, I'm not addicted to sugar. But really, you've had the intention of not eating sugar. Coffee, yeah. You've had the intention of not doing it, and you've convinced yourself to give yourself permission <laughs> to do it. You know, we have to understand that there's these opposing forces, that the self is very complex. And that there's these opposing forces and occasionally these forces will hijack our thinking so that our thinking becomes non-rational to a certain degree. That we're acting against our own long-term best interests 
for kind of the short-term benefit and we'll find a way to rationalize that it's so difficult to have any sort of free thinking yeah because there's so much shit going on around us all the time with, with social media and all the different things that we see and i think we lose sight of the fact that um people that we put up on a pedestal people that they write stories about people that they make uh monuments of and stuff like that the, the real difference between those people and everybody else they have one thing in common and it's usually that they're original and it, you know having originality is is a tough thing and coming here to the Onnit Academy I think is really cool it's a cool opportunity for me because I've rubbed elbows with everybody in the fitness industry I've been to uh, most facilities and no, and nine times out of ten I'm very unimpressed mm -hmm. and I'm like oh wow these guys got a facade going on like they're just insta famous or they just have this thing going on and they don't really have a true business uh, they don't have a true mission they don't have a true uh, it's not it's not what I thought it was and I'm always disappointed I'm like fuck man these guys kind of suck but coming here to this establishment this is really cool and everybody is on board. And I'm not saying that to sit here and just kiss your ass. No, I, 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 I saw it with my own two eyes as I walked through the, the offices. Uh, people are like, hey, you going to go to lunch? And they're like, no, I'm going to go train. You know, <laughs> I, I heard that as I was walking through these offices. And then and there's a shitload of people doing jujitsu. There's a shitload of people doing uh, uh, steel mace. Uh, there's just people all over the place uh, exercising. And I mm -hmm. see all the coaches. I've been here before and did a seminar. Most of the guys remembered me. A lot of the staff knew that I was coming in because I think Kyle made them aware. Which all those things are all those things are crucial towards uh, getting everybody excited about the brand. Yeah, you know, oh, Mark Bell's coming in. Who the fuck's Mark Bell? Well, he's he's a powerlifter, and he invented some products. And here's what he's done. And you know, we're inviting him down. He's going to be on our podcast, and this is what we're doing. I do the same exact thing at, at my gym, and and uh, I strive to. To have something like this and in fact my when my brother came down here um i was telling my brother for years i was like man i can't wait until i have everything all situated uh where i have most of my stuff under one roof yeah. uh, for a long time i had my <clears throat> gym separate from everything else and uh now it, we got like a twenty-five thousand square foot spot and we have uh some warehousing and we have our um employees and the gym is all under one roof and um but I was dreaming of that for a long time. My brother's like, man, I just met with uh, Aubrey Marcus and I went to the Onnit Academy. He's like, it was fucking sick. This <laughs> dream you're talking about having everything under one roof. He's like, they got a lot of that going on there. It's really cool. So for me, I always think a lot of things are about perspective. And if you can, if you can kind of view things from a different vantage point, it can really inspire you. You can, you can see things from the other side and you can kind of better understand uh, where someone's coming from or what somebody has or why they have it. I can sit here and look at all this and not be jealous of it. I can just say, that is fucking cool. There's so much room. That's a that's an internal character flaw. If you look at somebody <laughs> else's success yeah. and it makes you feel like you know they're taking money out of your pocket or they're taking yeah. something from you, you have the wrong mentality because right? there's plenty of room. You know, There's abundance oh, God. out there. This is not some narrow, cutthroat, monopolized How environment. How many people you know? have made millions of dollars in the supplement industry? A lot, right? <laughs> no doubt. And fitness and health, there's yeah. there's ample room for everybody to play. And right. I think if you have that scarcity mindset, you got to look internally first. <laughs> no one is stopping you. You know, you're the only one right. who's stopping you. And I, and I think, you know, and I appreciate all the kind words and everything you're saying. And, and I think that is also part of the key is the facades 
especially now in today's age, mm -hmm. you can't get away with a facade. No, like, not it doesn't, work, it doesn't work anymore. Not with social media, not with the way that people are able to access information, not with how tuned in and how awake people are. Right. You know, like if it's not real through to the bone, you know, and people are going to start scratching a few layers off and they're going to see the truth. Right. So you got to you got to live and embody the truth. If you're going to be inspirational, you know, be that person, like right. be the person who you're pretending to be. And Absolutely. that's the only way it's really going to work long term. And that's always what you strive. And if you come up short, don't don't paper mache mm -hmm. over your mistakes and your failures <laughs> and when it say like pretend it didn't happen. Go open up about that too, because that just makes people realize, oh yeah, that's real, yeah. that's human. Like truth Actually, is always better than perfection, because perfection is bullshit. So put out your truth. I think uh, you know today what happened to Matt Lauer. You know he got he got fired, he got released uh, for sexual harassment, which is a huge. This thing just doesn't stop. No, I mean I don't watch the news, so yeah. like this is the first time I'm hearing of this, and it's like, fucking Louis C.K. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Like I had a Louis C.K. joke reference in my book. You know, like about this joke that he was telling, and then you know now it ain't so funny anymore. It's not funny, and we had to pull it out of the book. We're like, well, yeah, probably shouldn't use that reference. It just might upset people. Like maybe what and, he did, and really justifiably horrific. so, probably. Yeah, right. You know, like yeah, could be. It's just so crazy that these people that it's just one after the other after yeah. the other now. Now that the power structures are changing, and I could hypothesize that it could go overboard, but it certainly yeah. seems oh, like yeah. in this case there was like this kind of systemic oppression of abuse that's now coming to light so it's really an interesting time matt fucking lauer yeah, what that guy yeah fuck man he's a good looking famous wealthy dude what are you doing you don't <laughs> need to be a predator right like you have a fucking buffet out there why are you stealing food you know what i mean it's like what the fuck is wrong with him yeah no i i i agree but i think the easiest thing for him to do well it wouldn't necessarily be easy but fucking go on facebook live you know, we have social media. No shit, right? And say, hey, you know what? I was a fucking dirtbag. And you guys know about this one case, and there's two or three others that I'm ashamed to admit today that happened. Here's here's what it is. Take all that shit away from people. Don't let people, you know, yeah, don't let bury you forever with, with, with all this, uh, this shit storm of stuff that's going to come, right? And, and uh, you know, hopefully what he did isn't that horrific. Hopefully it's uh, maybe just a couple comments or something that wasn't uh, too crazy, you know, but... Uh, regardless, you know, why not just come out and we have social media and I think lawyers aside and all this shit, like just take all that away and go tell the people what you did. I think a lot of people will be like, yeah, man, you know what? There is a lot of fucking pussy out there and I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I think any, I think everybody should wake up and now not be waiting in terror. Like if you've done some shit and you fucked up in the past, like just come out, you right. know, like come out and come clean you know and just sense. let people know like because otherwise otherwise you know you're just going to be sitting there terrified of, of what's what's going on like deal with your own demons like deal with your own shadow you know there should be no situation where you intentionally make someone feel bad yeah like, just don't fuck it's not fucking worth it yeah, yeah you know I, like I there's no there's no room and there's no need for that and if you've been a part of that we've all like look i can think back to when i was a, a kid and i got caught up bullying when i was in like mm -hmm. kindergarten and first grade i remember uh i remember i was swinging on the swing set and there's this kid kind of cruising by and i like leaped off the swing set and tackled him for no reason why did i do that i don't know i was dumb i was in kindergarten and yeah, i decided i wanted to fucking swing set ninja attack this random kid <laughs> yeah. you know like but i shouldn't have done that but i was i didn't know 
enough yeah. yeah yeah i mean yeah younger like six you know yeah. <clears throat> and like thinking back you're not the same person that you were then and i think people have to realize that and people yeah. can't always hold you to the standards but you first have to admit to the person that you were right you know like yeah in kindergarten you know i bullied that kid when i fucking flying squirreled off the swing set into the fucking sandbox on him right but i'm not kindergarten aubrey anymore right you know so like admit where you've been wrong and then admit and then express like look i'm not that dude anymore and i feel bad i don't remember that kid's name and if he's out there dude i'm fucking sorry sorry why bro. did i why did i swing set you know attack you i yeah. shouldn't have you know what i mean and and that's i think what everybody needs to do they just need to realize all right apologize for what's in the past realize that you're a different person now and set forward with a new kind of mentality a new yeah. idea and there's there's a lot of temptation out there and so i think again just just by saying the message on social media i think a lot of people would not that you want people to support matt lauer especially if if what he did is is true and stuff but if he did come out and say it, i think that people would understand it better yeah they would say yeah you know what there is a lot of attractive stuff going on out there there are there is a lot of temptation and other people might relate to it and they might say shit i you know I probably overstepped my bounds here and there too, you know. I always thought that Tiger Woods should have taken a different approach when his stuff came out because all his Tiger stuff seemed perfectly consensual. Yeah, right. And I think he should have just owned it and right. just been like, "Listen, I'm Tiger Woods. I love pussy." Yeah, like, like his, his <laughs> shit really fell apart. Like, and, and everything, like his golf, apart. everything fell apart because I think he had he was forced to live a lie. Oh, that's not me. I was addicted. I'm going to go to this rehab. Just yeah. like, no, Tiger, you're a savage and you love. <laughs> deviant sex like right. that's cool you're also super good at golf like yeah. and that's i think that's i think a good distinction there too is you know there was no aspect in what my recollection was and i could be wrong and people mm -hmm. feel free to correct me in that but it didn't seem predatory it um, seemed like very much like two consenting adults deciding yeah deciding to be freaks right like fine like don't bother <laughs> don't fucking bother tiger about that yeah. that's an issue between him and the arrangement that he has with his wife and the arrangement that he has right which is different than this kind of predatory mentality which you're doing things against someone's consent right you know and i think we have to be careful and not lump those things together you know like people are gonna be freaks and yeah. that's cool as long as both people decide that they want to get freaky we're desensitized to stuff though too you know and i yeah. think somebody like tiger woods who has a hundred million dollars thrown at him uh when he's i don't even know 16 years old or something, whatever yeah. whatever the hell it was some sort of monumental uh, contract when he was really young it, it's got to be hard to get stimulus at a certain point you, you have i imagine that he's seen and done and been everywhere and uh, at a certain point um that's why certain religions will have the women they'll, they'll cover up head to toe all you'll see is their eyes uh, in some religions, you never even see a woman's uh, hair on their head until uh, until you get married. You yeah. know, there's certain things where people are... And maybe that's, that's some weird oppressive, <laughs> yeah. oppressive shit, too. Right, and maybe that's taking it way too far, yeah. but it, but some of that makes some sense. You know, a Well, if everybody's as long as everybody's choosing whatever the fuck they want to yeah. do, it's all about choice. As long as you have the full agency of choice, then yeah. go for it. Do whatever, because there's also... For someone who's in such a high-pressure position... Like sex is a natural way to get out of your own head, especially right. when you start layering in something like power exchange and start layering in some of the more power tools. fringe, yeah, power tools, <laughs> fringe sexual practices. There's actual science showing that, you know, the dominant in a sexual relationship experiences a deep, deep sense of flow state. And in flow state, all of your thoughts about 
what tournament's coming up, what your sponsor's saying, what social media is going on, all of the pressure. You know what happens in flow state? All of that gets quiet. And sometimes we can use our genitals to get into flow state, you know? (laughs) And then for the submissive in that, and there's tons of research backing it up, they experience a similar type of flow state called transient hypofrontality, which is, again, this sense of loss of time, timelessness. Mm. You're fully out of your body, (laughs) you know? So it's two people choosing to engage in a flow state practice Right. That just happens to involve their genitals. Right. Go for it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. go for it. Enjoy that thing and get stop fucking bothering with people about yeah. it. And I think that's, you know, another thing that we need to realize that, you know, sex is not a big deal. It's the predatory, it's the predatory abuse of power that is the big deal. And I'm glad all of that shit's coming out. Yeah, you know, I can't I, imagine like what like what's gonna happen next almost, you know? It's gonna it's this is probably just the tip of the iceberg it's just going to be more and more people and hopefully like like we're talking here people just realize like all right you know i'm going to come clean and then maybe start to really review who who they are and what they're doing and like what that impact is i remember for me i had a really um powerful realization once i was this was like four years ago in a different on and office over here and I was trying to record a pretty important time-sensitive video because mm. small company, I was doing a lot of stuff. We had a video that we needed to get out. And I'm in the middle of recording the video in my office and someone's knocking on the door. Knock, knock, knock. Ignore it. Keep going with the video. Charge through. Keep my focus. Keep on track. It's a longer video. We're hoping to do one take. Knock, knock, knock. No answer. I'm still doing my video. Knock, knock, knock. <laughs> and then by the third one, I was like, you fucking knock. You don't get a reply. It means don't you don't keep knocking. So I blew up. I was like, "What? What do you want? I'm in the middle of filming a fucking video." <laughs> right? I didn't know who was behind the door. And I was like, "Oh man, I just fucking lost my temper." I go out, and it was like literally the sweetest person in our company. <laughs> you know, and I go out and she's in tears and I'm like, uh, "Oh fuck." And I made like a real vow at that point, like, "Yeah, all right, maybe I had some reason to be a little annoyed and maybe but there's never an excuse to not reflect on what my actions are and yeah. how those actions might affect another individual. Perspective too, right? You yeah. know, from her perspective, right? this is really important to Aubrey. He, he mentioned that to me, and I need to make sure that I relay, relay this message to him. Exactly. It could have been something small, but maybe she felt, you know, yeah. and she feels involved and, and engaged in totally, the company, totally. engaged in what you're doing. And so, you know, in those instances, you got to look at that and then take that opportunity to reflect. All of us have done shit that we're not proud of, you know, and that's one example of something that I'm not proud of. But what do you do after that? What do you do? How do you become better from it? How do you learn from that? I I mean, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, there's people who've been drunk and killed someone drunk driving, and then you got to live the rest of your life. Do you imagine trying to recover from that? I was thinking about that, and I was like, Wow. Like, you know, we think the things that we're guilty about are a burden, you know, but if you do that, you got to really just learn and you ultimately still have to forgive yourself so that you can live the kind of life that will benefit yourself and other people from that point. It doesn't make, it doesn't make it better by you punishing yourself by going into a depressive, addictive, suicidal, self-destructive despair. It says, all right, look, I took something off the game board because of my own negligence and because of my own lack of thinking. How can I make that up? You know, first of all, I got to be a fully functioning human. First of all, I got to correct Maybe the pain and anything that's people. inside and then dedicate myself exactly to going out and helping other people. I mean, everyone's texting when they're driving and stuff like that too. So right. it's possible to, you know, to hurt sure. yourself or hurt somebody else or kill somebody 
you know, while you're looking at your, your phone, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. And they, they, there's, there's science that shows, uh, looking at your phone, it, you drive worse looking at your phone than you do if you're drunk. <laughs> I believe it. It's, it's insane. It's a huge, uh, I believe it. And that's something that we all have to realize, you know, again, it's a good reflection point. Like, yeah, maybe you're getting away with it this time, but what if something happened? what if you have to bear that burden? Like it can wait, <laughs> you know, like right. 15 minutes of disconnection can wait. You know, you can use that time to listen to a podcast, relax. We can't be on all the time anyways. Yeah. You know, we need time to decompress and driving can be a relaxing thing. It doesn't have to be road rage. You can be bringing, you know, things that make you more fill up your mind, mindfulness. You know, we talk about this yeah. also in the book, you know, mindfulness, filling your mind with information and content and audio books and then mindfulness where you just focus on your breath, focus on breathing through your belly into your seatbelt. You know, so that lower abdomen right. is stretching out against the seatbelt and you're relaxing your thoughts and almost entering like a, a meditative flow state. Either one of those is going to be beneficial. And then, yeah, when you get home, you can hit the text, you can hit the emails, right. you can hit whatever else you need to hit. But giving yourself short moments to reset, I think, is also really important. Being a rational, you know, be, being ha having the ability to uh, reason and to... Uh, be rational is what makes us human. Yeah, I mean it really is like a, it's difference between uh, us being the way that we are versus us being uh, a beast or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's one of the few things that we have, and I think that a lot of times people aren't mindful of it. They're not thinking of it. They're not thinking of uh, you know what's it like to be that person or what's it you know what's it like to uh, I can't speak about certain things because I've never I've never been on that side. I don't know what it's like to. Uh, grow up in a household that's full of abuse you know i can only imagine mm. uh, i'll have people that are that admire me that say hey what you're doing is great or this is great and to me that's really cool and it makes me feel really good that i made somebody else feel really good but to me a lot of the stuff um i i don't know I don't know if it should be viewed as great my life has been awesome i have two awesome parents that are super supportive uh, and I, you know, even though I grew up in a supportive household, we, we just like everybody else, we did run into some, uh, tragedies and stuff like that too. Um, but I feel that everything has been a smooth, has been a pretty smooth progression. And so I really feel for people when they say that, um, I mean, sexual abuse with children and stuff like that. I mean, I, I just don't even understand how that would, how you'd ever overcome something like that. How do you ever come out the, the other end of that? Well, yeah, I mean, and that's something that I've been able to kind of firsthand take a glimpse at because I'm, you know, been doing a lot of work with MAPS, the mm -hmm. Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic yeah. uh, Studies, and they've been doing a lot of work on that trauma. <clears throat> and it really seems that the best tool available is that um, MDMA-assisted psychotherapy, both for post-traumatic stress that comes from war or the trauma that comes from sexual abuse. And I've, I've witnessed firsthand wow. a session, a single session, where someone who had massive sexual abuse and physical abuse growing up go from go from ra the rage of the incident, the injustice. Of, first of all, not even remembering they didn't they didn't even go into the session remembering mm -hmm. that that was what happened. They had this kind of vague idea, what and they've always thing that they've is, felt too. crazy tension their whole life, and yeah. they've been very driven and all of these things. But and they had this just flashes of memory that they buried. They go into it, they realize, oh my God, I remember everything. I remember exactly what it felt like. I remember exactly what happened. But you're in such a safe and loving internal neurochemical environment that also allows great introspection. You got blindfolds and music and people who are supporting you in a right. really kind of safe container. 
And, you know, cause, and again, I'm not advocating anybody just take some Molly off the street and <laughs> yeah. try and do this on your own. This is a very protocol driven gotcha, yeah. process, but watch them go from remembering to processing the rage of the incident, to processing the injustice of the incident, to ultimately processing the understanding that who is perpetrating that on them probably had that happen to them mm. to move into forgiveness for that incident and then eventually move from forgiveness to this kind of universal love like and sympathy for what they went through that drove them to do that and also the guilt that they must be harboring and release it and that was in the course of four hours after 30 like that's 35 insane. years of therapy every different other treatment right and that's what the the research is showing from maps the research is showing that three sessions of mdma assisted psychotherapy is curing two out of three people from you know post-traumatic stress disorder any kind of trauma not just treating like with a cocktail of 10 drugs which you know you and your brother really elucidated in yeah. in prescription thugs is not really getting anybody anywhere and has a host yeah. of other side effects this is three sessions you don't ever have to take it again and not only are you curing two out of three people those people continue to get better on their own without any other further intervention years following that's crazy it's that's wild really cool. like the world is going to change when those treatments are available not just for our veterans but for all of us who carry this trauma and that's you know something that i'm really focused on when i look at you know and it, it frustrates sorry to go on this rant here no, but good. it frustrates me when i look at like how much money will throw around to you know this little disaster cleanup or this little cause right. here and that's all good like I'm, I'm glad that als raised a bunch of money you know for the ice bucket challenge that's cool they raised 100 million dollars maps needs like five million dollars to get the phase three trials underway mm. and when the phase three trials which already have fda breakthrough status that's already done so it's going to get fast tracked through as soon as they get five more five more million dollars then they start the trials and then this this treatment could be legal and then the millions and millions of yeah. people who have trauma could have a cure and it's like the world is just like yeah cool they need five million but whatever <laughs> like well let's just fucking throw our money around at this house i'm yeah. like listen this is curing trauma like is anybody paying yeah. attention and it's just a weird it's a weird spot we're in that yeah. and i think it's because of that street drug stigma right. that mdma has that people don't look at it because if this was some other kind of you know drug from another you know a patentable drug from another company they'd be like oh yeah for sure right like, right they'd have all the funding in the world they have billions of dollars behind it you know but now since it's a non-profit organization what does it do specifically that makes ends up making the treatment so successful yeah so it's a very serotonergic uh compound and i'm not a scientist who can get into the actual nitty-gritty of what happens but it, it basically fosters, open your mind to some different yeah concepts, it fosters the, it floods the body floods the brain with serotonin which is the feeling of safety security comfort happiness but it also has this stimulating effect that allows you to be hyper focused so in like the street drug setting you know it's presuming you have fairly clean mdma your eyes are open your ears are open your sensories are open mm -hmm. so you're using that extra heightened focus and sensory ability to draw in external information wow the music sounds amazing my body feels amazing when i'm dancing it feels amazing to get touched the lights are amazing you're seeing more input and also feeling really good so it can be nice but it's not therapeutic but the therapeutic happens when you blindfold the eyes you mm. put very kind of calming soothing music on in, in noise canceling headphones you're resting in a very comfortable environment so the amount of stimulus externally 
narrows down and you have all these feelings of safety and support and comfort but you have this laser-like focus where you're able to look back into your heart look back into your memory and say oh man this is some stuff that i've been carrying this is some this is some things that i got to get off my chest so it takes all that external internal what you're saying makes so much sense yeah i mean just uh with the specific compound you're talking about aside any any drug or uh having a shot of whiskey before mm-hmm. you have a conversation with a therapist makes sense because now you're more open-minded to it. Right. And uh, whoever the person is that discovered some of that is, is incredible because, you know, it's probably somebody that's at a campfire and they, the, the fucking, the, the flames were too bright for them and they put some things on and they sat back and they, just, <laughs> yeah. they zoned out and they're like, oh my God, it's amazing, right? And well, it used to be to used for this couples therapy, you know, and it's yeah. beautiful for that. I've seen it in that context as well. Like if you're, we all carry these things that we're not, everyone needs therapy triggering to they're triggering to hear they're challenging to say but in that environment you're able to receive information and share information in a very safe way where your ego is not so on the defense it's like lessens that kind of fear and protective and armored state i mean it's literally like peeling off all the armor because you realize you don't need it anymore that you are safe and that you are you know you are in a place where you can share that truth it's a really kind of powerful powerful modality and then at the same time you have the psilocybin research that's mm-hmm. going on through the Hefter and Usona Institutes, which is showing mat- like cures for depression, anxiety, right. and the amazing study. They have a smoking cessation trial where a single dose of psilocybin has, uh, has caused 80% smoking cessation rates. A single mm-hmm. dose. like Nothing is even coming close to the numbers that are coming out of this psychedelic research. And, you know, you can have a very bleak view of the world, but then you look at right. some of this research that's coming in and say, well, shit, if we could get rid of depression, anxiety, addiction, and trauma in all of these people, the world is fucking different at that yeah. point. You know, People are going to be more generous. People are going to be more open. These people that are harboring money and holding on to things because they don't feel safe and the world doesn't seem safe, maybe they're going to want to give it to other yeah. people. Maybe they're going to want to help you know, share it to the world. Maybe they're going to want to help the environment because all of a sudden the environment isn't hell. You know, I look at the people who aren't interested in, in saving the environment and I'm like, well, that makes sense because if the environment that you live in sucks, might as well fucking burn it to the ground. <laughs> might as well harvest all the money yeah. you can and say, fuck the world because the world is painful. I don't give a shit. Let it roast. Right. You know what I mean? But if you feel good and it feels like heaven every day you wake up and you like hearing the birds chirping and you like that there's animals and flora and fauna and everything is beautiful, well, then maybe you will give a shit about the environment. You know, but that first comes from healing that internal trauma, right. that thing inside. Yeah, I think it's the equivalent of going to like a gas station bathroom. Like, it's, it's a fucking mess, right? And so mm-hmm. you don't give a fuck, and so maybe you do pee on the floor. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly the it's analogy. It's fucking disgusting, and yeah. you're like, oh, okay, give a, this is a grungy-ass fucking place. I don't really give a shit about it. Yeah, that. if I go to a terrible bathroom... And I accidentally piss on the floor because, you know, my streams pointed the wrong way yeah, or something like that. Happened, yeah. I don't get the little wad of toilet paper and wipe my own little piss. Your pee stream that. goes really awkwardly after sex. It just It does, right? That's another thing. Your you're shit. just dropping you're just dropping dimes right now. You're on fire. This is your, this is the moment here. Yeah, pe- people are gonna enjoy that. <laughs> 
but yeah but if you're in like a nice like reception or like maybe you go to a nice boutique store and they have like a nice tiled People bathroom taking floor. their shoes off when they come right. into your home if your house is immaculate yeah if, really if i'm in someone else's house and i pee on the floor i'm for sure cleaning that <laughs> thing up and like tidying yeah, things up yeah, i'm leaving it I, hopefully like i found it and yeah, that's and that's what our internal environment does we can be living in that gas station bathroom or we can be living in a really nice bathroom but it's really not about the bathroom because the bathroom's great the world is great it's about, it's about our internal right. you know our internal view of that like how we perceive it have you dealt with anxiety or depression like what For like sure. what made you choose to For use sure. some of these compounds i think we all deal with it to a certain extent and i think one of the issues we have is we like to categorize things black and white addicted not addiction non addiction depression non addiction and anxiety non anxiety trauma non trauma there's no such thing it's right. all on a scale it's all a gradient you know, so we've all felt a little bit of that. Okay. At what point do you draw the line? Well, clinicians have drawn the line at certain points, but these are common experiences to the human experience. I've found myself depressed, traumatized, addicted, all of the things to a certain degree. Now, where is that magical line that the psychi- the psychiatrists, some of them agree on that yeah. causes it? I don't know. I didn't take the tests, but I've felt all of those things before, and that's been part of what's driving my path to both the plant medicine practices and also other practices just like meditation and yoga and flow and you know sex and all the different ways that you can kind of get out of your head and get a release from some of that i think anxiety is a huge problem right now huge with the you know the age category that that some people are at that are kind of on social media and they're seeing uh the success of other people and they're having a hard time digesting it and they're like man i you know i still live with mom and i you know this cascade this giant fucking tsunami wave crashes down on their world because they're nothing they're not anywhere they want to be and they don't realize that all these things take a long time if you want to be good at anything it's it's going to take an effort if you want to be great at something it's going to take every ounce of your fucking being to get there it's going to take an enormous effort you're in a better position than you were 10 years ago but you're working harder. You're not working less. There are situations where you are trying to optimize things and you're trying to make them more optimal. So you deal with like, maybe you're not fucking packaging up the stuff that gets shipped out on black Friday, right? Best use of my time. It's not the best usage of your time, but you're still fucking really busy. And there's still, there's still a lot of hustle that's, that's involved in it. And I think that people don't grasp, uh, the, they don't have the ability to understand that you don't just start out on fire you start out with an idea or a concept, you try to move forward with it and it's going to take you a long time. And we talk about something taking five years or 10 years. It may sound like a lot to someone who's 22 or 23 years old. And again, they're going to keep saying, Oh man, I don't have this. I don't have that. And they're, they're creating their own anxiety. It's their own shit that they have going on in their head. It's their own, uh, shortcomings that these things are not even really true. Being great is a, is not even a thing. It's, it's, it's a process. Uh, it's well, and it's also kind of made up too. Yeah. Um, somebody puts a ball through a hoop and they're great. I don't know. I don't. Why is that a thing? I don't know who made that up. <laughs> but somebody made somebody made it up, right? It, it is a thing. Uh, but to me, my dad, who's five foot two and can't play any sports to save his life, to me, he's great. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows who the fuck he is. Doesn't have an Instagram. You know what I mean? And so I think people's definition of of being great, people's definition of success, I think, is a little skewed. And they really just need to, the ideas or thoughts that they have, they have to understand they just need to put those in motion. It's not going to be perfect. All of us have spent many, many years dicking around. 
when you ask somebody when they started training, they're going to give you two different dates because they're going to say, oh, yeah, I started lifting uh, when I was uh, 15, and then I got more serious about it when I was 19. Yeah. They're going to give you two different dates. And same thing with um, when you start this business. When you started this business, you didn't know what the fuck you were doing. It's true. You knew some stuff, you know? You knew some, you knew some things that you wanted to Not do. Not nearly what I know now. Not nearly what you know now. Now everything's like uh, executed and there's uh, a product launch and there's yeah. a lot of things that are associated with that, with all that. And it's the usage of your knowledge and your experience. But when you don't have any experience, what do you need to do? You need to get, just get started. You need to get started on an idea, started on a concept. Things don't have to be perfect. You don't need goals. You need to be dicking around. That's what you need to do. Yeah, I mean, I think the the pathway to mental hell is paved in comparison. You know, and I think yeah. that's a big issue that we have right now. We are looking at some goal or some expectation that we have and then judging ourselves mm -hmm. according to that thing rather than just saying, all right, how can I get a little bit better now? Like, right. what can I do now? And I think that's one issue. And then I think the other issue, too, is there's this idea. You know, I was just talking to someone before this podcast and she's scrappy and trying to make it on her own in the you know, personal training business. And, right. But she's decided that she needs to do it without any help. You know what I mean? Like, nope, got to do it all on my own. And I'm like, that's not even a thing. Yeah. Nobody has done anything on their own. <laughs> right. You know, it's like this idea that you got to do it all on your own. It doesn't exist. We're, we're tribal communal creatures by nature. Like we rely on the help and support yeah. of each other to make this thing happen. Like it doesn't make you less of a person if you ask for help. It just makes you smart. It makes you understand like, hey, I'm going to go hunt this deer. Do you mind getting some berries and some fucking, you know, veggies so right. we can have a proper dinner? It's not like you just stay there, do nothing. I'm going to get the deer. I'm going to get the veggies. I I'm going to get the bear. I got it all because I'm a self-made man. I'm a, I can handle it all. My, no, it doesn't work that right. way, but we can convince ourselves that it works that way. And so, you know, people ask for help. If you're struggling, if you're hurt, if you need, you know, you're not getting where you want. Ask for help. Find a mentor. Listen to podcasts. You know, get an online course that can change the way you think about things. Like, do something to reach out and just open up, and and people will be willing to help you. And that doesn't make it your success any less. You know, that just makes you part of the universe and part of the community, the way that you're supposed to be. You have way more resources than you think. And they used to say there's like seven degrees of separation. I think nowadays there's just one because you have access to the internet and you can mm -hmm. search stuff and Google yep. stuff and. People are a tweet away or <laughs> yeah. it's sliding into the DM. You can DM people and, <laughs> and uh, you can get access to uh, celebrities and people that, that you never had access to before. Yeah. What was uh, like a driving force for you to start on it? This is just what I love to do. You know, what I was were you doing, doing before this, that? I was doing this. I ran a marketing company. I was selling all kinds of things from sex toys to. Yeah, I know your you dad know. has the. Yeah, my stepdad had the flashlight. So <laughs> flashlight. I was helping him slang fake vaginas and i was yeah i worked in investment banking for a little while so I many people in, must be so thankful I worked in for the gold flesh mining thing. for a little while i was like helping with gold mining investor relations and i was doing all kinds of stuff but what i was doing on my own is you know i was looking at weird obscure fitness websites and trying out club training and mace training and i was 2008 you know, yeah exactly like and like okay. mixing up concoctions of supplements based on these brain scans that yeah. i got from this wacky doctor in new york and he was awesome. you know experimenting with this kind of stuff so this was the natural thing that i w i love to do like i was stoked when i find a found a place where i could buy my first steel mace and found some ways to move it i was just like 
floored at what was possible you know yeah. there was some other thing and then you know you get your homies together and everybody tries it and i had this little garage gym i called el garage or el garage because <laughs> i lived oh, on the east cool. side and you know at that time i was friends with roger huertos an mma fighter so yeah. he would come in and we'd be training we'd have mats down and then we hit the club training and kettlebell training and we'd be watching videos and be like how are they even doing that my shoulders don't even move that way yeah you know so starting to pattern the shoulder mobility and the things that we needed to to get there so it was just something that i loved and um i think it's always a benefit when you can build a business around something that you love which is something that you know that you've certainly done as well yeah so you but you started it off of uh, making mace uh no that was just that was that came later you know that was a manufacturing puzzle that i wasn't quite big enough to solve yet so we started with supplements and then went into kettlebells and then went into the maces but all of that was part of the same idea ultimately i was building a human optimization movement that just started with supplements because that was the easiest way to scale based on very limited capital resources i mean i got one hundred and ten thousand dollars from two different friends and family Mm -hmm. bodie miller and another uh you know, family friend to start this whole business. And that's yeah. the only cash we've ever taken in from the start. That's awesome. Yeah, and I, you know, for myself, I just... But been, we got a lot of fucking help. Like, this is not yeah. me. Like, I did this on... No, I got yeah. help from everybody. Everybody helped. Thank you, everybody. I couldn't have done it with fucking... Without every single one of them. I still couldn't do it without every single one of them. Yeah, you got you know? a team of uh, 15 Absolutely. people over there that are just in the media room, I think. Absolutely. I mean, was, and they're hustling around doing all, all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. From every stretch, from every person who's promoted it on a podcast, everybody who's been kind enough to give it a try and talk about it right. and share their experiences to down to the customer level, down to the people packing boxes. This is all, we're all working together in all of this. And you so, know how supplements are too. A lot of times you, there's a lot of skepticism. For sure. And when I tried Alpha Brain at first, I was like, oh, what's this really going to do? You know? Last time I was here, I, I uh, one of your people set me up with, it, with a bottle of it. And I was like, oh, I'll just take... I don't know, I took like one. I was like, <laughs> that's not going to do much. You know, kind of hanging around and yeah, didn't didn't notice much, right? The next day, they they told me that I probably need two or three, yeah. but I'm always a big pussy when it comes to that kind of stuff at first. So the next day, I, I have my seminar here and I take three. And midway through the seminar, I'm like, hmm, I ah. feel like I'm on fire right now. <laughs> this feels pretty good. So I did notice a difference with it and I still continue to use it. Right on, my man. Right on. So I got to talk to you about one video I saw when I was kind of poking around. Yep. You had some power lifter in who's doing some rowing, and he just shattered all of the rowing records. Oh my god! That was a, that's an insane video for people yeah, to watch. Yeah, so that's right? um, yeah, you're talking about Brian Shaw who went on the, he did the concept two rower right, uh huh, and nearly snapped the damn thing in half. <laughs> yeah, Brian Shaw is a six foot eight, four hundred and forty pound uh, strongman competitor. Um, he's a four-time world's strongest man, and he's just a behemoth of a guy, and he's just has ins- insane levels of strength. I think he, he's deadlifted over a thousand pounds. Um, Pussy, just yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing is too, he he has a he has a competitive fire in him too that yeah. it will come out here and there when he's talking about something, and you're like, I need to get the fuck out of this room. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck this guy is capable of. I don't know if he's gonna rip me limb from limb. But yeah, he he's unbelievable. Yeah, and he he um, on that particular day he wanted to go after like the world record in in the in the row. I forget how many seconds he was going for or whatever. But it was like two hundred meters or some 
Something yeah, like yeah. That. We just know. he just went fucking crazy on it, and, and we had to have people uh, stand on the sides of the rower uh-huh. because it looked like it was going to snap in the middle because <laughs> he's producing so much force. I never seen anything like that in my life. It was, it was incredible. But we've had a lot of great lifters uh, throughout the years come to the gym, uh, all time world record holders in the deadlift, squat, bench press, uh, all kinds of stuff. Really cool. Yeah. All right, one max bench press tip for our meatheads who've been hanging on here. Oh, and be like, God damn it, they've yeah, been talking they about talk all kinds about, of stuff. Why are they talking yeah, about we'll, sex? We'll bench press. we got to hit them with bench press just in case they've been waiting. Thank yeah. you, meatheads, for hanging on. Here's a, here's a, our gift to you. Yeah. Bench press. Ready, go. Yeah, yeah. So um, with bench press, I'd say uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of things to think about when you're bench pressing, but I'd say the main the main thing is uh, what I share with everybody on on all the exercises is just don't go too fucking heavy. Everyone makes the mistake of going too heavy. Their form falls apart. Their technique falls apart. They end up getting injured. They end up getting hurt. Don't watch my Instagram, Mark it's Bell. Go- <laughs> don't don't it's, don't judge me, people. I go it's, too heavy. It's it's gonna it's just gonna it's one of those things. It's just gonna take some time. It's like a cheap hates. meal. I feel like I feel like benching for me is like a cheap yeah. meal. I just go ham. Just eat all the sugar. Everyone everyone hates to hear that it's gonna take time, but yeah. my. My advice to you guys that are listening is uh, to change it up. Find some different movements so you're not falling into the same movement pattern every single time because that's how you end up getting injured. Uh, you end up trying to push the envelope too much with this one exercise. So don't be afraid to you know, do an incline bench one, one week. Don't be afraid to do a close grip bench. Don't be afraid to go a little bit wider. Don't be afraid to do some pause work. Or um, There's so many variations that you can get into. Why not utilize those variations? Why not press against bands or press against chains? Uh, you can press out of a squat rack. You can do like a pin press. There's so many options that it doesn't make any sense to do the same thing week in and week out, uh, 52 weeks a year. So just just try something different. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would advise, and, and this is, goes with any part of your programming, it could be squat, bench, or deadlift, uh, the best program is the one you're currently not doing. So if you are doing something right now that you've been doing for a long time and it seems like you're at the end of your rope, then and, and switch shit up. If you've only been doing sets of three and sets of one for the last four years, do sets of five, do sets of eight, do sets of ten. Um, switch your training up completely. Fuck powerlifting for a little while. Bodybuild or something. Just try, try something different. Try some fucking yoga, whatever. Take yourself away from it. When you come back to it, uh, the stimulus will be greater. I like it, my man. I like it. It's been a pleasure having you out here, yeah, man. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's it. been good. Anything, uh, anywhere you want to point people, any of your social media or any of your platforms that you want to uh, let people know about? Yeah, check out howmuchyoubench.net if you want any strength gear. And also check out my Instagram, my Twitter. It's at Mark Smelly Bell. Beautiful. Thank you, my brother. And yeah. thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Peace. Hell yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you were moved by our conversation, about donating to charities like maps.org, please check out thecureisnear.com. There are many challenges facing our world right now and a lot of causes that need our support. But I truly believe that the one thing that can do the absolute most good is the legalization of psychedelic medicines. You've heard some of the amazing stories with these amazing guests. It has the potential to cure trauma, depression, anxiety, addiction, these plagues that our society is suffering from and will continue to suffer from unless we can bring a cure. The opportunity for us to fund these clinical trials and potentially legalize psychedelic medicine is right in our hands. It's not that much money. We just need a little bit of support. I set up a page at thecureisnear.com. Once again, that's 
thecureisnear.com. Absolutely anything helps. You can donate five bucks. You can just share it with somebody who has five bucks. You can split five bucks and each give 250. It doesn't matter. They need our support. It's not that much more money left and we might be able to have the tool that can start to cure the world. So please check it out. Out of curiosity, out of interest, out of love, out of compassion, for whatever reason, just check out the page, thecureisnear.com and see if you can find it in your heart to help us out.